It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is March 13, 2018. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. Joining me today, as always, my co-host, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also past Department Commander for the DAV State of Maryland. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary, and as always, it is great to be with you. All right. Thank you, Bill. Now, we, we always have Bill. Bill comes up with these news articles, and I, we have we have wanted to tell you about today. Uh, again, we don't know what's going on um, with these uh, shootings, but uh, what happened in California there, Bill? Well, unfortunately, uh, Gary, uh, at the uh, California Veterans Home in Yountville, uh, we had uh, ended up with uh, four deaths there. Uh, three staffers and the uh, former resident who was there who uh, uh, shot these three individuals after holding them hostage there for a while. But, Gary, this gets back to the point that uh, the the, the uh, shooter in this case uh, is a veteran who was suffering from post-traumatic stress, and uh, he had been there in the program for some time, and uh, he was uh, released because of some differences. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he returned doing an event where one of the staffers, or I think two of the staffers, were uh, uh, retiring or leaving the organization. Gary, that location there in Yountville in, in the uh, wine country of California is a tremendous uh, facility. It's uh, it's uh, the main building there is about ten stories high. They've got about uh, a thousand uh, veterans who are there in the in the in the home that serves the state of California, and they've got some outstanding programs there. But uh, if there's a way that things can happen, uh, they happen in this case. But that was a bad thing that occurred at a very nice place that's there. It's uh, on a day-to-day basis over the years. has done outstanding uh, things to uh, assist our men and women who serve the country. You know, if I if I'm correct, about uh, a year ago, maybe two years ago, we interviewed that uh, that the retirement home, didn't we? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, and and she gave us a tremendous uh, rundown on how it operates. I had the opportunity to to, to visit myself back, and I think it was 2008. I was there in the uh, in that part of uh, California for a meeting with the. Uh, National Association of State Directors of Veterans Affairs. So it's a it's an outstanding facility. Yes, it is. It's fantastic. And Bill, you have the honor of introducing our guest today. Well, uh, Gary, and indeed an honor it, it is. Uh, Ilario Pantano, who's the Senior Director, Community Services at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families at uh, Syracuse University. 
Prior to joining the uh, IVMF, uh, uh, Ilario was a nationally recognized state director of Veterans Affairs uh, at the state of North Carolina, which is the fourth largest active military presence in America. Uh, Ilario also co-founded and served as the vice chair of the Governor's Working Group on Veterans Service Members and Families, a groundbreaking model for interagency collaboration and communication in the North Carolina State Veterans Program. And working collaboratively, uh, Ilario's leadership helped to grow North Carolina's veterans' uh, portfolio by over $1.2 billion, one of the fastest-growing rates in the country. He and his team were instrumental in cutting veterans' unemployment and reducing veterans' homelessness by innovative new public and private partnerships to leverage existing services and enhance them with uh, private sector funding, such as the North Carolina for military employment. And we'd also like to note that Ilario is a former Marine Scout sniper. He enlisted in the United States Marine Corps in 1989. He fought in Operation Desert Storm and led a sniper team in Operation Provide Promise. Um, before uh, graduating from NYU and trading commodities for uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, he uh, was uh, with the relief of uh, the ex-Yugoslavia uh, uh, program. So, Ilario... Pantano, welcome to the American Heroes Network. Welcome, sir. Colonel Bill and Gary Ray, great to be with you both. Appreciate it, sir. You know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, information uh, that we have here on you, and hopefully, in the near future, we can have you back to, uh, to continue on with this. Yeah, now, just veterans, to finish my bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'd have to we at least two or three hours on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the one thing I want to throw out there for your listeners, gentlemen, is that I'm a Iraq uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom veteran. I went back into the Marine Corps after 9/11. So did Desert Storm, then did uh, operations in Iraq, and then, in fact, it's not on my bio, but I did some contract time in Afghanistan as well. So I'm familiar with the modern wars and some of the older wars, but, but my hat is off to you, Gary, as a Vietnam veteran, and Colonel Bill, thank you both for your distinguished service. Uh, we stand on your shoulders, gentlemen. I appreciate it, sir. You know, veterans' needs are many, and assistance comes from the federal, the state, the local. Innovation is needed to provide connection and new approaches to reverse trends around key areas, which include claim backlog, homelessness, suicide, access to benefits. Can you provide some examples of these four key areas for veterans' assistance? Gary, I'd like to do that. You know, we, uh, we sometimes, we as a society assume that veterans' issues are federal issues because our national defense is a federal issue. But increasingly over time, we have come to appreciate how it really does take a village to care and reintegrate these heroes, these sometimes combatants, but certainly these displaced members of our community who have lost and tethered with many of their social networks 
and many of their business networks in order to serve us overseas, whether it's in South Korea or Southeast Asia or South America or, frankly, uh, in the African continent. And then they return after the sacrifice that they've made, not just physical, mental, and emotional, but they've lost track with a peer set that has gone on to be successful in life and in business, and then they come home and they're fish out of water. And there has for some time been some assumptions that VA had responsibility of tending to these men and women. And while it is true that that the, the bulk of funding and the bulk of thinking around certainly veterans' Uh, benefits and, and financial ones at that, or, or potentially even some dimensions of, of veteran medical care can be provided by the federal government. The reality is this is a community responsibility. Communities bear the brunt. You know, Yountville, California is bearing the brunt of this crisis, right? We just lost Christine Lieber and Dr. Jen Golick and Dr. Jennifer Gonzalez, you know, in, in a deep tragedy. Integrating these members back into our community is a community-level imperative. And so if we look from the bottom up and start to tie together assets that live at the community level, assets that live at the county and the city level, assets at the state level, and integrate those better into the federal level, that's the kind of innovation that we're really excited about. So you mentioned in, in my introduction, I'm with the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, at Syracuse University, and for those of you that, that uh, might be near a computer, that's ivmf.syracuse.edu, right? So Syracuse University, great athletic teams, great research college, great history supporting the military, created the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. And what we do is we do research and we do programs and we try to stimulate great outcomes for veterans and their families around job creation and, and entrepreneurship. And so we're really in a really great position to see, to participate, and even to drive some of this innovation, Gary and Bill, you know, that you're talking about as it relates to issues of VA benefit claims or curtailing veteran homelessness or veteran suicide, you know, some of these woes. And so what I'd like to do is just go very macro for a moment and talk a little bit about the societal, you know, the, the social determinants of health, these things that we know, whether it's employment and giving you good self-esteem, not just bread on your table, not just a place to go and belong as part of a professional team, but giving you that good sense of identity for that returning, you know, female or male veteran that has been separated, that has been overseas, that's now back feeling integrated into their community with a job, right? Or education that then can take some of these disparate life experiences and help funnel them into, uh, in, into a, a more rounded individual that can reintegrate back into the workforce and achieve some compensation at a level that can provide for their family. You know, other social determinants of health, of course, mental health and behavioral health and substance abuse are part of that. But, you know, sometimes veterans face needs, you know, for even for legal services or for spiritual enrichment. Sometimes they have a housing issue and, you know, and, and, and a place to live. So if we as a community can work to better address the broad spectrum of needs instead of potentially just focusing on VA benefits or just focusing on veteran suicide. If we can look at the veteran as a whole person, what we believe at the Institute is that this has really good outcrum outcomes, outcomes across a spectrum 
and, and that this is the way that we start to really penetrate into turning the tide on some of these negatives that we know to be true. Some of the challenges around veteran suicide, for example. Some of the challenges around veteran homelessness, for example. So we really look at a whole of community solution set that ties together all these different elements. And I'd love to tell you a little bit more about that, but I know that we're a little bit tight on time. Would it be okay to talk a little bit about how we integrate the communities together? Definitely, sir. Well, thank you. So if if we think that you know, historically, we've looked to the VA or a veteran service officer to answer a lot of questions. One of the things, and Colonel Bill knows this from his time leading Maryland's Department of Veterans Affairs at the state level, that there are a lot of assets that the state has available for all of its citizens, whether they're mental health assets or, or assets that support employment, getting a job, getting education, uh, wonderful state schools and community colleges. And if we allow these various assets to operate in silos and not communicate with each other, they make it really difficult for the veteran to navigate. And so one of the things that we found at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, and again, we're a research college at heart, is that navigation of all of the wonderful, well-wishing programs, and some counts have them as as many as 45,000 different nonprofit activities or government activities that want to help veterans, navigating all of these can be the real challenge. So our team at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families came up with a model that we call America Serves. And that's a model for integrating all of these different elements that exist in communities at the community level and pulling them all together in a kind of a real and virtual one-stop shop for a veteran. I want to go macro for a second and tell you gentlemen a little bit about my time when I was the Director of Veterans Affairs for the state of North Carolina. You know, we had, and Colonel Bill, you can attest to this, the, the bulk of spending on veteran employment or veteran unemployment activities didn't go to your State Department for Veterans, it probably went to your State Department of Commerce and Labor, right, to fund the DVOPs and the levers. Is that safe to say, Colonel Bill? Uh, absolutely correct. In the, uh in the Department of uh, Labor Licensing and Regulations. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so then we also would probably say that the bulk of the funding around substance abuse or mental health programs, and I don't mean VA programs, but ones that are available for any citizen, and PS are also available for veterans, right? That all went through your Department of Health, usually through SAMHSA Federal Block Grant Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Agency. Is that safe to say, Colonel Bill? Correct. The Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Sir, you, you've nailed it. And, and so what we see is while you and I and, and other state level leaders may have been, and this, by the way, uh, Gary Ray, this is apropos not just at the state level, but it's true at the county level, it's true at the cities, that while there may be somebody who in a titular way, in an honorific way, is responsible for a veteran's portfolio, the vast majority of funding and supports for these activities typically lives in other agencies. And the real holy grail for getting it right for veterans is getting these agencies to work together in a seamless and holistic way. Not really seeing that so much at the federal level, but we're starting to see it a lot more at the state level. And it's driven by necessity. You know, this goes back 
Secretary Shinseki released some guidance in 2014 that spoke to the fact that VA needed better community-level partnerships, better partnerships with VSOs, better partnerships with uh, healthcare providers, with state-level government actors, with community actors, and with nonprofits. And then in 2015, at that time, Secretary Hagel, Department of Defense, issued very similar guidance for DOD, that DOD needed to better integrate into their communities. Both of those guidances for integration happened after pain points. And I think that you men would agree, a tragedy like what we just saw in California or when a, a veteran uh, you know, lights themselves on fire in the parking lot of a VA you know, mental health facility or you know, any, any number of, of, of unfortunate outcomes. And by the way, these, issues, these episodes are actually few and far, far between, and we all know that the, the majority of veteran stories are successful ones, whether it's in law enforcement, in leadership, in corporate governance, in the workforce, in the classroom, you know, et cetera. But these high-profile pain points drive integration. Right. If we could think back to World War II, the Marines had the Pacific by and large. The Army had the European theater. If we think back to even how, you know, Gary Ray, you know this in Vietnam, there were core, there were associated areas that were for the operation of one service versus another. And it wasn't until Desert One in 1980 with the Iran hostage crisis that we saw real integration of the joint services. Right. The idea that Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine must work better together because when when Marine helicopters took off a Navy ship to meet Air, you know, Air Force refuelers carrying Army commandos and people weren't coordinating together, guys got dead in the desert. It was a tragedy for our country. And so we started to turn the way we think about integrating our military, and it really wasn't until these long wars began and we started to see the result of them at home that we started to do more in America to integrate all of these wonderful pillars of support that all do really good work on their own and turn them into each other to communicate. And so it's those states and it's those communities where the Department of Commerce works with the Department of, of Health and Human Services, and then in turn works in partnership with the Department of Veterans Affairs at the state level that we start to see some of the best outcomes. Does that make sense, gentlemen? Yes, sir. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that kind of integration, and I'm going to, Gary, Ray, pass it back to you, but that kind of integration, that's the innovation that we're trying to drive. So the America Serves program that the IVMF is a sponsor of, and we do our work thanks to the help of corporate philanthropy, our generous partners, for example, at J.P. Morgan Chase or the Walmart Foundation have underwritten some of this work. Uh, you know, we do this work also in partnership with Accenture, the global management consulting company. So it's not just a bunch of former state directors like myself and my colleague, uh, Colonel Jim McDonough, who is the state director, for example, for New York's uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, but it's also great PhD researchers. It's great uh, advocates and leaders in the veterans community that come together with private resources, with some, some leadership from our, our partners at Accenture, and we're working on these new models at the community level to bring together the various actors that can help a veteran so that the veteran doesn't have to go out and shop for these, but that in fact they can all be seamlessly delivered to the veteran. When a veteran shows up, for example, looking for some help on a job maybe, 
And then it comes to light that that veteran also could use a suit, or maybe that veteran needs transportation to the appointment, or maybe the reason the veteran's looking for a job is that they lost their last job and they lost their last job because of a PTSD issue. What we see is something that in the health profession we call comorbidity or co-occurrence of multiple issues that are having an impact on that veteran. Now, at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, we also look very closely at how we can help not just the veteran, but the active service member and their families as well, because those populations get a lot of lip service. Everybody loves the military spouse, but the reality is that the VA is not charged with providing care. In fact, where we saw this most painfully was even around the Camp Lejeune water crisis, where Marines and their dependents were exposed to contaminated waters. And it was very difficult for VA, even just by its congressional charter, to unwind itself in such a way. And and it's not by any lack of empathy of the organization. It's by just following the laws of its creation in order to be able to serve these family members. So it's incumbent on us in the private sector or out in these communities at the state level, at the county level, to build wraparound services to help not just the veteran, but the family member as well. And that's what we're doing at America Serves at the IVMF, and really proud to be doing that, gentlemen. Yeah. You know, we try having, we try having uh, women organizations on, and, and you hear Last some of Last week you had a great one, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and they need the help. They need the, the direction. And I mean, if you hold this paper back and, and it's showing uh, the, the claim backlog, the homelessness, the suicide, access to benefits, they all work together. Yeah. Without yeah. one, it's, it's not going to be complete. If you leave one out. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the, 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 the need of women veterans. I was listening to your show last week. It was tremendous. And one of the challenge, of course, is, is the idea that sometimes women veterans don't even self-identify as veterans. And that, right. by the way, is also true. And Gary Ray, you know this, that there's a lot of your Vietnam era brothers and sisters that don't self-identify necessarily for a variety of reasons and the shame that was put upon them and a very unfortunate time in our country's history. And, you know, it's, Precisely for the reasons, and and I just want our listeners to think about this for a minute. If we could turn at the time, if we consider the 1960s, and I know that you served from 67 to 69, and we've been doing a lot of work around commemorating this 50-year anniversary, but if we think back, if we turn back the clock, the American public at that time had endured Korea 10 years prior, and then 10 years prior to that, or, you know, about uh, a dozen years prior to the Vietnam start, you know, we were in World War II. So here we, we, we had a society that had been melting pots and pans and silverware to fashion bullets and build bombers and turning off the lights and rationing gasoline. So as a society, we knew war, the whole country. And then we fast forward to Korea in this era of Korea veteran. We knew war. And yet it was some of these very veterans that turned their back on you, on the Vietnam veterans upon your return. And it's so unfortunate, but our society at large did that. And what many of us younger veterans today are so determined is that while there still is an appetite, while we still have some political will and some cultural will to embrace and wrap our arms around these veterans, we really have to seize the day now. Because the reality is that in in, you know, the estimates are that in about 20 years, the veteran population will be half the size because so many of our wonderful veterans are this greatest generation, are our Korea veterans, and are even our Vietnam era, you know, veterans that in, in time 
we're going to continue to see that population go to guard us at heaven's gates. And what's left is a much smaller percentage of men and women that are serving today that will have fewer people in society that can relate to them, that will have fewer people in society that represent them in government and advocate for them. And we're becoming a minority class that now even inside of corporations, we need corporate advocates and champions just as other minority groups do. And that really stunned me, but I've begun to participate in some of these boards and opportunities just because the idea that someone that your neighbor or that a coworker could be a veteran is becoming increasingly foreign in the thinking to so many people. And so we need to really do our work now while the iron is hot to build these partnerships and these collaboratives. But Gary Ray, you mentioned female veterans and your program, your last program, fantastic operation that was dealing with the needs of female veterans. The America Serves program that we host at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, the America Serves program, about 25% of, our, uh, of those that we serve are female. And we're really excited about that because I think most of your listeners know that probably female veterans represent about 9% of the veteran population at large in this country. And if 25% of, our, of, our, of, of the folks that we serve in our networks, and we have about 16 of them affiliated in actual America Serves networks around the country from, uh, you know, from Seattle to Charleston, South Carolina, and, and Charlotte, North Carolina, and San Antonio, Texas, soon in Dallas, New York City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Rochester, Rhode Island. All of these America Serves networks, they're seeing really significant numbers of women because I think that some of the traditional ways that veterans would interact with service organizations might not be as inviting to female members or the female clients. And so that's one of the reasons we started the show talking about innovation. One of the reasons that we need to innovate is in order to reach this new and very significant population of women veterans. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, you're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America and the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter as the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. 
stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, uh, Hilary Ilario. <laughs> Okay, senior director. Yeah, you're the Italian history. version of Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> I had to help now, you out. Okay, now, now we all know. <laughs> I appreciate That's that. That's out of the bag. And then again, he's a senior director for community services at the Institute of Veterans and Military Families. Now, Bill, I know you have a couple questions. Well, I, I, I spent most of that segment writing so many things down. And I don't know if we'll be able to get to all of them, but 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 let me let me just kind of uh, uh, tell you what I got out of, uh, of that that first segment, Gary and Elario. Uh, you know, uh, uh, probably it starts when when uh, we return to home and community after being yes. uh, on uh, in combat and on the battlefield. This our failure to uh, be able to. Uh, reintegrate back into the communities where we came from. That is so important. You know, and Gary, you've heard me mention this before. We spend so much money and we prepare our men and women to go off in the battle to be the best fighting force in the world. But when we come back to home and community to be able to integrate back and all of these problems that come about with the various uh, scars of war that we come back, whether it's those scars that are seen or unseen and what we have to go, go through. We talk about information. Information is the greatest void, in my opinion, in the, in the veterans community. I get a chance to say this every week, and that's good, because what I heard today, we, we, we've gotten a lot of information that we normally don't get. And for an example, you know, uh, Ilario, some of the things that uh, we've worked through, where you mentioned SAMHSA uh, uh, assisting at the state level. Uh, when I was at the uh, state of Maryland, we came up with a website. Uh, I think it's now pretty much across the country, the Network of Care, and we had some great assistance Excellent. from the uh, National Association of Counties. As you probably know, that the 100 most populous counties in the country uh, 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 has uh, uh, connection with eight, that represents 85% of the nation's uh, uh, population. So to be able to put that information out with the network of care and to be able to get to that information in a very user-friendly way is so important. Uh, you talk about uh, uh, in the information again with the, the water crisis at Camp Lejeune. That's only one of maybe about 50 other areas around the country where there's been water problems that we don't know about today. So right. information is so important, 
and and where the real work should take place is where our veterans are uh, in the communities working with those state programs. Would you agree, Ilario? Uh, well, I, I do agree, and, and, and thank you. You know, the, the work that you all are doing with this show to try and educate folks that are caregivers or veterans themselves or people that love veterans, and, and fortunately in this day and age, that's, that's more Americans than it is fewer. Yes, it is. It, it's very much about getting information out there. The challenge with information, of course, is that sometimes we're overloaded by it. And so then the question is, and I bet your audience could sympathize, Right. If we were to type veteran and jobs into Google, we'd get like six and a half million hits. Right. And so then comes the question of what's good, what's true, what's reputable, you know, and all of these things. And so that's where I come back, you know, Colonel Bill and Gary Ray, where I come back to this idea of, you know, navigating being one of the biggest challenges for veterans, navigating this, the sea of goodwill and having partners that they can trust to kind of help move them through this continuum, almost as ambassadors. So at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, where I'm part of the team, it's based out of Syracuse University, we've done a lot of research around the, the barriers and the challenges that folks face in their transitions. And, and, you know, Colonel Bill, you were raising this point about the warfighter coming back. You know, we started a program in the last couple of years, and we're really proud of our history in helping put veterans to work and helping veterans to start businesses. We had something called an employer boot camp for veterans, and we do a variety of programs for women veterans to start businesses. But we created a program called Onward to Opportunity. Onward to Opportunity. And Onward to Opportunity is about helping service members and their spouses that are still on more than a dozen, in fact, 18 installations around the country from Hawaii to Joint Base Lewis-McChord in Washington State to Joint Base San Antonio to Camp Lejeune and Fort Bragg and, you know, throughout Fort Drum and helping as, as service members are transitioning and getting ready six months before they EAS or end their service, they can start to come through a screening program that can help them identify what kind of, of jobs or training they could benefit from. And we offer free training, not using the GIB, all this, but we offer free training that for them or for their spouses that can allow them to get certificates in project management or hospitality or cybersecurity. And this is something that Syracuse University is a university. We're really proud to be alongside service members on the educational front. But this is an education like so many young kids today getting an English degree and then going to work in a coffee shop. This is education that's helping a master sergeant get one more accreditation so that she can come back you know, and run, uh, you know, a logistics center, right, or helping a, a major get one more accreditation so that he can get back and run a hotel franchise. And these are the kinds of things that we're doing to help in that transition. But, Colonel Bill, to your point, transition is the tough part. You know, everybody's seen that movie Top Gun, and everybody yeah. remembers that the time the pilots started sweating the most wasn't in the dogfights, it was landing the plane. And that's what all of us, and Gary Ray, you as a Vietnam veteran, transition is something that many of your brothers are still going through. Isn't that safe to say that transition is one of the biggest challenges that our veterans face to say? Would you agree? 
It sure there's is. No question about that, uh, and that's so important to be able to, to move on. And I think uh, organizations such as yours, and I and I believe, Hilario, um, uh, that I had an opportunity going back in 2008 to uh, to be a panel member for one of your presentations, uh, and on that panel, and I'm trying to remember. Uh, her full name, Alfie, from out in the uh, Washington uh, State Veterans uh, Affairs, uh, was a, a panel member, my co-panel member, uh, and this was sponsored here by a, a, a local uh, former uh, Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the District of Columbia, Matt Carey. Does that name ring a bell to you? Well, Alfie, Al, uh, Lourdes Alvarados Ramos, that, the State Director her. for Washington State, a great friend. Yeah. And a pioneer in, in, by the way, woman veteran, strong woman veteran, and strong pioneer for tying these state, federal, private resources together. What a gem. Well, I'm glad that you got to work with her, sir. She's something. Oh, oh, uh, tremendously. And we, you know, we maintain uh, contact. But, you know, even with uh, your tenure in North Carolina, I mean, uh, and I, as I was mentioning to Gary, and you go down and you look at the website, I mean, all of the things that it's available uh, to a veteran from the different eras uh, that they've served in uh, to be able to come to uh, North Carolina and live. But, but I, think, I think really this is ingrained from the standpoint that many of the people who served on active duty in, in North Carolina stay there because of what's available. I think North Carolina has it from this standpoint. They've recognized the fact that uh, new federal dollars come with programs that veterans can participate in, and it helps the economy in the state as opposed to some of the other states. And i, and I got to include my state of Maryland because many ver- veterans feel that Maryland is not a veteran friendly state uh, state as opposed to North Carolina being very veteran friendly. Well, Colonel Bill, you raised some excellent points. So there's a lot of reasons why states want to attract, and it's frankly, it's nice. It's, it's nice to have folks competing to have more veterans, right? And so state directors and governors are incentivized to try to make their state more veteran-friendly than another. And some quick examples would be from a workforce development, if we're talking about keeping those young guys and gals, so then in turn a governor can go out and solicit the latest auto plant or the latest semiconductor plant. You know, and, of course, I'm thinking whether Toyota or Foxcom or, you know, or, or even manufacturing plants of tires or food products, all of these take labor. And so keep – and when some of the most attractive labor out there – is that veteran labor. So there's real reasons there. Then, sir, to your point about some of the benefits that they bring with them through the federal government, the fact that, you know, in many respects, their children may have already, if they're retirees, their children have already gone through the school system. So they're not a a load uh, on on local governments in that way, but they're producers and that they're able to take and parlay their, their, their military and veteran benefits into franchise ownership and buying dinners at Golden Corral and all of these things that, that, that are active in the economy. So, and then of course, they're great neighbors, right? They're civic minded. They've already proven a willingness to sacrifice and endure and their love of country. So who wouldn't want veterans in their communities? So as states has become more competitive, they started to work with organizations like ours now at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. And in fact, 
Colonel Bill, we're working with the National Association of State Directors and Veterans Affairs on a survey of what states are doing what around the country. And I encourage, if folks would like to learn more about the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, our website is ivmf.syracuse.edu. And some of the programs that we want, I mentioned Onwards to Opportunity or americaserves.org. And again, that's americaserves.org, where we work this wonderful community collaboration piece. But you can, we have hundreds of research reports that we're, 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 are free to the public that we're happy to share with other state directors. And I'll tell you that my exposure to the institute where I work now was when our founder, Dr. Mike Haney, was presenting at a privately funded activity in a, with a, a local area veteran nonprofit. It was an organization called the Charlotte Bridge Home in Charlotte, North Carolina, in partnership with Bank of America, had brought this nationally acclaimed leader and educator on veterans and, veteran, and the benefit of hiring and employing veterans, Dr. Mike Haney, who's a business professor from Syracuse, who then in fact started the IVMF, and he came and made the case for how it was good for our state's economy. And I heard this man speak, and he gave me the ammunition that I in turn needed to take back to my governor so that we could say, hey, sir, if we can be a, a little bit more tax favorable to veterans, if we can be more encouraging, if we can put together, for example, resource guides and hotlines that can make it easy with one number or one website to find not just the federal benefits, but the state level benefits, the county level benefits, find those offices, find, you know, and make this quick and easy. All of that makes the state more attractive to veterans. In turn, they will stay. In turn, that will grow the state's GDP and all these other great reasons that we discussed. And so my exposure to IVMF was, was exactly, Colonel Bill, as you're describing, wanting to know how I could do more for my state. And now today, we have lots of great pointers and feedback, and, and we consult with states. In fact, we're working with 11 states around the country in how they can be more veteran-friendly. The state director of Rhode Island made a decision that he wanted to build a network to coordinate all of this activity in his state. It's called Rhode Island Serves, and we were happy to do that with him and his wonderful governor and our technology partners, the, the a veteran-owned business called Unite Us, and we use this technology to help bridge all the different programs around the state. We've done it in New York State. We've done it in North Carolina. We've done it in Pennsylvania and South Carolina. We've done it in Texas. Uh, we, you know, we're in the, we have partners that have done it in Oklahoma, partners that have done it in San Diego. And, you know, and of course, we've done it with our partner, uh, Ms. Alfarados Ramos, in the great state of Washington. And it's, uh, it's been a real treat because one of the things that we get to do as an outside think tank or an action tank, we like to call ourselves, is we get to see and come up shoulder to shoulder and side by side these great directors, and we can borrow some of their best practices and share them with other states and communities. And that's been the win for us so far. That, you know, that's fantastic. Uh, when I was with the state of Maryland, uh, we came up with uh, a theme, uh, 2008, uh, Maryland's Commitment to Veterans. And uh, it was a, a working towards bringing close together all of those other services. I mentioned uh, uh, health and mental hygiene, uh, business development as far as jobs, 
all of those kinds of areas yes. there to, to assist our veterans. And especially, and on this one, I'd like to hear your comments about this. Uh, as far as uh, uh, mental health is concerned, you know, suicides today, post-traumatic stress, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, uh, it's happening in such a way that it seems like we can't get our arms around this to try to curtail this. Uh, we talked about the women uh, just a few minutes ago, and you mentioned, you know, are women veterans who have served this country as a suicide rate of six times higher than their counterparts in, in the general population. And, and, and mm. that is so explosive, but we don't hear a whole lot of talk about this. We've got to do more and impress upon everyone that fits into this equation that, uh, you know, uh, uh, veterans' suicide prevention awareness is a day-to-day responsibility and concern, and to, to get that out there. Because if not, uh, we're going to continue to have to deal with the situation. It's, and this is something, what happened in California last week. That's right. That's I'll, t- right. I'll tell you, you know, Colonel Bill, this is a, a, a very powerful point. Uh, Gary Ray, did, did you want to weigh in on that? Or, or I'm happy to, to speak to that there a little bit. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't we take a break, and then we're going to come back and complete that, okay? Terrific. All right. Don't forget about to visit the American Heroes Network archived library of shows. Our veteran resources is truly making a difference through our weekly shows. All our shows are archived on demand for easy access to resources and events anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and syndicated on iTunes. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com.
You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. We're back with our guest, uh, Hilario. Is that correct, Hilario? I said it right, didn't I? <laughs> I'm doing somersaults over here. I can't, I'm so happy. <laughs> I bet. All right. And then again, he's the senior director for the community service at the Institute of Veterans and Military Families. Now, you wanted to touch on a couple items before we uh, have to go? Um, well, you know, I, I do because Colonel Bill brought up this great point about the epidemic of women veterans committing suicide, and it brings us to the bigger issue of pain and traumatic stress and what can we do to help these veterans as they return home? What, what's, at, what's the silver bullet? And I would offer that there is no silver bullet, no single remedy, but what we can do as a community is make men and women, when they return, feel welcome. And we can do that by bringing together all of the various elements in a community and making it simple and easy for that veteran, that spouse, that family member, even a child, to be able to navigate. You know, I'm with the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, as you mentioned. We have a program called America Serves, americaserves.org. And our, our network's now operating and with affiliates around 16 communities around the country. You know, we operate across a couple of different domains that are considered parts of the social determinants of health. And we know if we can address needs in these social determinants of health, it can go a long way to mitigating the kind of stresses and the kind of pain that drives someone to hurt themselves or others. So, you know, we help to coordinate care around benefits, around clothing and household goods, around education, employment, food, health care, housing, individual and family support, legal services, money management, social enrichment, spiritual enrichment sports and recreation, transportation, and even help with utilities. And I just want to give you a quick example and a quick shout-out to a wonderful partner of ours, Team Red, White, and Blue. Some of your listeners may be familiar with them, an organization that on its surface, well, you know, being a, a rally point for veterans to get together and go for a jog on a Wednesday morning, is that really a veteran service organization? But what we see, so many veterans are seeking some camaraderie, some sense of belonging. And for some, candidly, meeting at a dark and smoky hall that uh, it doesn't have any members in it that look like them or is, are the same sex as them, you know, sometimes is a little bit intimidating. Whereas doing something a little bit more healthful and going for a run on a morning is a networking opportunity. And so then on one of these activities, and this is a true story of a veteran named Tim who was part of a team red, white, and blue activity in Florida, he was part of his network, and he indicated to his network that, you know, he's thinking about moving to Pittsburgh from Florida. And his network reached out to the team red, white, and blue affiliation up in Pittsburgh, and they in turn connected him with an organization, my team, at, uh, we call uh, PA Serves Pittsburgh, and, and the team of, of the America Serves team was able to help this guy get a job, and, and uh, you know, his, 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 his landing and, and on the ground, so to speak, he already had interviews, he already had a network, he already had a place 
to go. And it's that kind of sense of involvement and belonging in a community, not feeling like an outsider, but instead feeling like an insider. That goes a long way to healing some of the psychic pain. You know, there's other elements, of course. Faith is something that for me personally, has been traumatic in turning my life around. I came home from multiple wars with many psychic scars. Faith, for me, was life-changing on every level. And that used to be a much bigger part of our society than it is today. And we have to wonder the role that that may or may not play in some of the pains and integration challenges that our veterans are facing. But the bottom line is that we offer a network that includes spiritual support, employment support, educational support. There are great resources out there. We're not the only way to find them. We're a way, but we happen to be a simple and proven way. And we're eager to continue to do that for our men and women as they return home. So thank you so much, gentlemen for the opportunity to share a little bit about America Serves. Again, you can find out more at americaserves.org or the work that we're doing at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families, the IVMF, which is ivmf.syracuse.edu. The work that we're doing with our National Association of State Directors of Veterans Affairs, polling, finding best practices from Washington State to the great state of Texas. My friend, Executive Director Tom Palladino, the gentleman that presides over the Texas Veterans Commission, Great work happening all the way you know, up to Rhode Island. Uh, Director Kasim Yarn doing great work there, integrating you know, services and, and making it easy for folks to access. Jim Prosser, the director in North Carolina. Wonderful men, wonderful women doing the most that they can to make their communities more veteran-friendly, which in turn makes our country more veteran-friendly. And that's a win for everybody, gentlemen. All right. Now we only have a couple minutes left. It was a pleasure having you on the show today, sir, and we'd love to have you back. Um, and if you're up to it, if your right. li- if your listeners don't send you a ton of hate mail, I'll be glad to do that. <laughs> they they won't believe me. They'll send some good mail. <laughs> All right. Well, now, they Bill, better send some any- cookies then. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely, Bill. Well, Ario, thank you very much for your service to this great country, the continued service that you're providing to our men and women who've served in the veteran community. It's so important because it's always veterans, helping veterans, that's going to get us across that finish line of some semblance of recovery uh, as we go through our times uh, after Mm -hmm. serving the the country. Uh, We've enjoyed you, uh, and uh, we certainly look forward to you coming back and maybe even to encourage some of those individuals in uh, NAFSA and around the state that uh, to use the American Heroes Network as a, uh, a media point uh, and letting uh, the rest of the nation know about what's going on. Oh, that's very wise. That's very wise. We'll look forward to sharing that good word with them. Look forward to being back with you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for the opportunity today. All right. Appreciate it. And if you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7. And you can hear all the archived shows right from your phone. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime anywhere on any device. I'm Gary Ray signing off and thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network Radio powered by Voice America on a variety channel and we'll see you next week. Be safe out there. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. 
Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly